Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host of Mission Go. It's the Christmas season, and I thought today we would read a Christmas text found in Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 6, which says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. What a great text to help us reflect upon the Lord Jesus Christ. A child is given a son who's going to grow up and be able to function in all these wonderful different areas that are mentioned in this text. He will be rule the whole world. He will be a wise person. He will be a counselor. He'll be a mighty God. He'll be an everlasting father, which can give everlasting life. He's a prince of peace. He continues to help us to have our sins forgiven. And because of that, we don't have guilt and we can have peace in our lives and joy and fellowship with him. And uh, he's going to be in control right up to the end. And uh, this world has a beginning and it has an end. And I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And I believe that um, uh, all wrongs will be made right. And God will be directing the affairs of men from the temple in Jerusalem here on earth. What a great promise and what a great prospect we have to be believers during this generation when I believe God is going to do some great things. Let's continue to worship him and keep our eyes fixed upon him, the author and finisher of our faith.
is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Peter and Valerie Limmer, who are missionaries uh, serving in Japan. God is using them greatly in the island of Okinawa. I had the privilege of visiting them there and seeing their ministry, and boy, it's really exciting to see how God is is uh, helping them to reach a very difficult people group. Today they're going to tell us about uh, some of the ministry outreaches that they have. So this, actually, this story relates to an older friend of ours at the church that we're working at. And uh, my parents happened to be in town. They were visiting us for a couple of weeks, and it was very wonderful to have them there. And so we were all sitting after church around a table. So my family, with all the people from the church, this older gentleman comes around with a pot of coffee. And he just, he asked my father if he wanted some coffee in Japanese. And my father doesn't understand Japanese. So I wasn't thinking very culturally appropriate. I was thinking more Canadian. And so I just looked at him and I said, no, no, thank you. My father doesn't drink coffee. Well, later on that evening when Val and I were alone, Val says to me, you know, you shouldn't have said no because it's not culturally appropriate to say no. And I realized that I had made an error culturally and I had possibly could have offended him quite badly by saying no. And so the Sunday after there was One of our friends, his English is very good. So I asked him to help me translate so I wouldn't make as many mistakes. (laughs) Compound the the error. Compound the error, yeah. (laughs) And I apologized. After I had apologized, he put on a big smile and he said, oh, don't worry about it. That's not a problem. And he looked at me and says, but I, I do have a question. And I was wondering if you would be willing to help me out with uh, being a crossing guard for one of the local schools. And so we looked at our schedule and and it worked out perfectly because it was in the morning. And so I was able to go and do that first thing in the morning. I'm not a morning person, so I'd come back and have a nap and then get to work. Now, I, I just want to interject something here. In Japan, if someone asks you for a favor, this is actually a big honor because they're coming to you to ask you for a favor. And favors are the kind of the glue that hold the Japanese society together. And so when you ask someone for a favor, you are essentially also communicating that you want to deepen your relationship um, through this request so that your relational bonds will, through favors, will be more tightly will grow. Yes, will grow. Sorry. Um, There's actually a name for the emotion that a Japanese person will feel when they are asked a favor by a friend. And that Japanese emotion is called amai. And it basically means the happiness that you experience by being asked a favor, by being chosen specially um, by one of your friends to carry out this favor. So it was a really amazing opportunity and a real blessing to be asked. And so I did that for a while and it was a lot of fun. And as our time in Japan was drawing to a close, the school realized that we were going back to Canada for a year. And as a gift, they gave me, um, they don't use stop signs for their crosswalks. They use a little flag. And so they gave me a flag and they said, oh, you can take this to Canada and show people who you're going to be visiting with, what you've been doing. But the more incredible thing, the thing that 
God went way above and beyond that I had no idea was going to happen was he's opened a door to go into the school to teach English. Wow. And it'll be just to go in and help the students as they're learning to read and write and speak a little bit. What we're hoping will happen is that we'll have the opportunity to ask the principal if we can invite the kids to our English class on Saturdays and that they'll be able to come and have conversational English, which the school system isn't very strong on. And if we can have that opportunity to fight them out, who knows how God's going to use that. But what an amazing door to be opened to a, a local public school in our area. The English classes that Peter and I hold on Saturdays are actually held in the church. And that is uh, an amazing opportunity we've discovered to bring people into the church. Churches are really scary for Japanese people. And so even coming in for something as simple as an English class ends up breaking down a lot of the barriers to coming back to hear about Jesus later on. And we've seen a lot of success actually through the little children bringing their parents into into the churches and people becoming Christians through this. Thank you so much for uh, some of these cultural differences that we wouldn't even think about in North America, and yet you've had to look at the culture and uh, and see how people act and react there, and you've been able to understand and actually apply these things to your own ministry and your own lives. And I'm really thankful for your sensitivity towards that and all the open doors that God has been given to you. After four years, you're doing a tremendous job, and we're really thankful for you. Lord bless you. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we cannot be on the air without the support of our listeners. We ask for that you would continue to pray for us and uh, pray that God will continue to send in donations so that we can continue to keep this ministry on the air. Canada's National Bible Hour has been on the air over 90 years. It's the oldest Christian broadcast in North America, and we believe that God wants to continue to help us to stay on the air. Thank you so much for your donations and your prayers. This month, we're offering a wonderful uh, booklet entitled A Classic Christmas Caroling Songbook. It's got 30 sing-along favorites. It's a wonderful book. You can get a free copy of it, sending in uh, to our office. Hymn sings around in your home during the Christmas season, or you can use it to go out and carol in the neighborhood. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful uh, booklet that has the words and the music with it. It's just a wonderful thing that you can use during the Christmas season. Highly recommend it. Bet you'll love it if you get it. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R, 7A7 or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231.
that you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand. Did you know? Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson. Printed copies are available upon request. Can you guess what this is? It costs nothing but gives much. It enriches those who receive it without making poorer those who give it. It takes only a moment, but the memory of it sometimes lasts forever. No one is so rich or mighty that they can get along without it. And no one is so poor that he can't be made rich by it. It creates happiness in the home. It fosters goodwill in business and is the symbol of friendship. It brings rest to the weary, cheer to the discouraged, sunshine to the sad. It is nature's best antidote for trouble. Yet it cannot be bought, borrowed, begged, or stolen, for it is something that is of no value to anyone until it is given away. Some people are too tired or even bitter to give it. Give them one of yours, as no one needs it so much as the one who has no more to give. What is it? A smile, my friend. It's a smile. Oh, how that picks up the spirits of anyone who's down in the mouth, as it were. You know, joy is the amazing secret of the Christian life. Abraham knew it. The Bible says in the words of Jesus that Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it. David knew it. He said in Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Jeremiah knew it. Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them and they became the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Nehemiah knew it. Having built the wall of Jerusalem, when all the workers were tired and weary, he said, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Habakkuk knew it. At a time of great difficulty, when things were so bad, he said, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Paul knew it. In prison, he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. James knew it. He said, Count it all joy when you fall into various testings. Peter knew it. He speaks about joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. The Apostle John knew it. He writes, Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And of course, the writer of Hebrews gives us the key. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. The blind hymn writer Fanny Crosby wrote many hymns. One of them is Praise Him, Praise Him, Jesus our Blessed Redeemer. Another is To God Be the Glory. And the chorus says Praise the Lord, Praise the Lord, Let the Earth Hear His Voice. Praise and joy is the amazing secret of the Christian life, and you can discover it too. Some of you have never known it. Some of you have had the joy of salvation and then lost that joy. Not your salvation, but the joy of it. And we need to pray like David prayed. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. In Psalm 51. 
I want to speak to you today about a little verse in the Bible. It's actually the shortest verse in the Bible, and it's found in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. This is what it says, Rejoice evermore. Now, there's a verse in John 11.35 that many think is shorter because it says Jesus wept. But in the Greek, there are three longer words there. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice evermore. In the Greek are only two words, and they're shorter. And it's a command. Now, I want you to think with me about this amazing secret of the Christian life. Let's look at the different types of joy there are. There's the joy of salvation. This is what Habakkuk spoke of, the joy of God's salvation. This is what David spoke about, the joy of thy salvation. That's an interesting story. The joy of thy salvation. In Luke 10, Jesus appointed 70 other also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and every place whither he himself would come. And when they returned with joy, they said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And Jesus replied, don't rejoice just in this, but first and foremost rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The Bible speaks about the Lamb's book of life in Revelation 20. It's going to be open, and whosoever is not found written there in the Lamb's book of life will not enter heaven and will be cast into the lake of fire. When Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he spoke of those whose names are written in God's book. How wonderful it is to know the joy of salvation. The early church knew it. When people were saved, and there were 3,000 of them saved on the day of Pentecost alone, they began to meet together and to praise the Lord, and with joy they rejoiced in God's salvation. Someone as well said, Joy is the flag that flies from the castle of the heart where the king is in residence there. When the king is in residence, the joy flag will fly from the castle of your heart. If it's the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the man who wrote this? People said of him, he must go to heaven every night because he's so happy every day. Is that a picture of you, my friend? Do you have the joy of salvation? It's only found in the Lord Jesus. And then there's the joy of service. When we serve the Lord, there's joy. The Bible says in Psalm 126, He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. If you go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, scattering the seed of God's word, sharing your service, your witness for Christ, you will without a doubt return rejoicing, bringing sheaves with you. Paul said, I want to finish my course with joy. What is that? The ministry I've received to testify the gospel of the great of God. When Paul and Silas were arrested in Philippi and beaten terribly and put in stocks in prison, it says, at midnight they sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them. There was a great earthquake. The jailer got saved. What a story it is. Read it in Acts 16. They sang for joy in their service to the Lord. I wonder what they sang that night in prison. I wonder if it was the song that is recorded for us in 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 13. It is believed these words are one of the early church hymns. It is a faithful saying, if we, die, if we are dead with him, we shall live also with him. If we suffer, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. What a song they must have sung, whatever it was. Jesus' joy was to do the will of the Father and to finish the work of redemption. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. 
for the Lord Jesus, joy was to do the Father's will and finish that work. That's why Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 10, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. How wonderful it is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The late Dr. Oswald J. Smith wrote the words of a wonderful hymn, and it was put to music by B.D. Ackley, and this is what it says. There is joy in serving Jesus as I journey on my way, joy that fills the heart with praises every hour and every day. There is joy in serving Jesus, joy that triumphs over pain, fills my heart with heaven's music till I join the glad refrain. There is joy in serving Jesus as I walk alone with God. Tis the joy of Christ my Savior who the path of suffering trod. There is joy in serving Jesus, joy amid the darkest night, for... I've learned the wondrous secret, and I'm walking in the light. And the chorus of that song says this, There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus, joy that throbs within my heart. Every moment, every hour, as I draw upon his power, there is joy, joy, joy that shall never depart. You know, do you know that joy today? Get busy. God has given you a gift or more to serve him. Start serving him. There's joy in service. And then there's joy in sacrifice. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. I quoted that verse in Hebrews 12 too. Hebrews 10 sheds light upon the joy that Jesus had in finishing that sacrifice, that Jesus Christ made one sacrifice forever, and through it brought redemption to all who trust him as Savior. The Bible teaches us about the joy of sacrifice. When we talk about sacrifice in giving, we're talking about the joy of sacrifice in giving. Some people don't like to hear about that. But Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and told them about the churches in Macedonia who had the joy of sacrifice. This is what he said. He said, I want you to do the same thing. Because when you do that, you prove the sincerity of your love. 2 Corinthians 8, 2. How that in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. He said, I've written bearing witness that beyond their power, they were willing to of themselves give and give and give. Why? Because verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 8 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. The Bible speaks here about the grace of giving. There's joy in that. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, literally, a hilarious giver. Why would you hold back on God? I'll tell you when you and I can stop giving. It's when God stops giving to us. <laughs> That's quite an answer. Joy is not the absence of problems, but the presence of Christ. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7, He which sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He which sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And every man according as he purposes in his heart, let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. That's what will happen. God will make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work, and that will bring great joy. 
joy in your salvation, joy in your service, joy in your sacrifice. But there's also joy in suffering. You say, suffering? Yes, Jesus talked about it. Here's what he said in Matthew 5, verses 10 to 12. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice! Be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. The Bible says in Acts 5.41, after they had had terrible persecution, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for Christ. Paul said, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Deep down within, the presence of Christ causes us to rejoice. That's why Paul knew rejoicing constantly, despite the terrible suffering and persecution he went through. Peter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, but rather rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Is your life a joy? or a misery. You have the choice between the pleasures of sin that are only for a season, or the pleasures of Christ that are at the right hand forevermore. What's robbing you of your joy today? Jesus said, Satan is like a thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Many of you have known the joy of salvation, of service, of sacrifice, and even suffering. We'd have to pray with David today. Something has happened in your heart. You have to pray with David today, O God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Because for some reason, through sin and disobedience in your life, that joy has departed. And you go around with a sour face and a sick look. And someone has well said, religion that makes a person look sick certainly will never cure the world. We need to come to Christ in a fresh way. Know that in Jesus Christ there is real joy and learn to keep the command of 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice evermore in his salvation, in his service, in his sacrifice, in suffering, knowing that someday he'll greet us with joy in heaven if we've been faithful. He will say, Rejoice, because I welcome you, faithful servant. I pray that you today will discover that it's more than some outward show of mere happiness depending on happenings, but an inward realization of the joy of the Lord. Now remember what Nehemiah said to his workers who were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, even when they were weary and when they had been out helping those in need. He said to them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And here's the lesson. If you lose your joy, you lose your strength. Don't let it happen. I trust the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you during this Christmas season. We're so thankful for the privilege of sharing the gospel. And one of the great opportunities we have during the Christmas season is to have people reflect on, on God's plan of salvation. And so we want to share that plan with you just says that all of us have sinned and all of us have come short of the glory of God and none of us are going to get into God's presence because he's a holy God and he can't be around sin and he can't be around sinners and the problem is each and every one of us is a sinner we've always done bad things and things that we're ashamed of and so therefore uh, we are not able to get into his presence but God loved us so much for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him 
should not perish but have everlasting life. And so God made a way. And what he did is he sent the best gift that he had. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ came during the Christmas season as a babe in a manger. And he grew up and lived a sinless life. But the goal all the time was so, so that he could go to the cross. And on the cross, he bore all our sins, the sins, the wrath that God has towards our sins, the anger that he has towards our sins, our misdeeds, all the things that we thought that were wrong were sinful, all the bad deeds that we did with our bodies, all these things God bore in his own body as Jesus hung on the tree. He took our place. He was our substitute. He was our sacrifice for us. And he died and rose again on the third day, and he's alive today. John 1.12 says, But as many as receive him, ask Jesus to come into their life. Unto them he gave he the right to become the children of God. And as you do that, you become a new person. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And you get into the Bible, you start reading the Bible, and you start growing in your faith, and uh, God continues to change you throughout your life. And so you have that great opportunity to, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Don't forget to order your copy of the classic Christmas caroling songbook. What a wonderful book. You need to write in and get that. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can hear past past messages of Canada's National Bible Hour on the Mission Go website, which is www.missiongo.org. And remember to pray for our financial needs uh, this month. 